0: So Money, episode 415, my parents, Adam and Sheila Tarabi. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Tarabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500. And that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost, index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit Wealthfront.com forward slash SoMoney. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Happy Wednesday. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi. It is May 11th, 2016, and it's a big day. It's the last episode of Follow the Leader tonight. We've come a long way since getting the job, shooting the episode, meeting all the entrepreneurs, editing the episodes, and now rounding out the series with Tracy Anderson. For those of you who aren't familiar with Tracy, she is the creator of the Tracy Anderson Method, a fitness entrepreneur who first established herself, made a name for herself as a trainer to the stars, namely Madonna, Gwyneth Paltrow. And now she is scaling her personal brand, her personal business, taking her fitness methods and her healthy eating methods to the masses. How does she actually do that? She's one person. She can't clone herself. Very interesting takeaways tonight. 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific on CNBC. Follow the Leader. It's our last show, guys. So if you haven't caught it at all this season, maybe you'd want to catch this one. It's a pretty good one, I have to say. It's a female founder. You get to see me work out with Tracy a little bit. An experience I'll never forget. And this interview today that you're about to hear was an experience that I will never forget. And I'm actually pretty surprised that it took me this long to bring my parents onto so money you know they've been one of my biggest supporters since well since day 1 but particularly with this podcast they knew how much it meant to me they listen every day they give me feedback they're my biggest fans. And we talk about it on the show so often that who we are as people, especially when it comes to our values around money, our perspectives around money, our emotions around money, stem from childhood and often how our parents communicated over money and interacted with money. And so we talk about all of that with Adam and Sheila Tarabi. They're here today, or as they go in Farsi or in Persian, Farukh and Shada. They changed their names. I finally get to the bottom of that in our official podcast interview today. And it was a blast kind of going all Barbara Walters on them. I didn't let them off the hook. I asked them why they fought about money when I was a kid. And believe me, that's the sort of stuff that really sticks with you for life, right? And I was a little scared to ask that question because I'm sure it brings up as many emotions for them as it does for me. But I really wanted to know. And more importantly, how did they reconcile those differences? And we, of course, talk about their immigration, the importance of education. My dad just got laid off, believe it or not, at 62. How is he dealing with that? All that and more, plus my mom's number one tip for a lasting marriage. My parents are celebrating their 38th anniversary this August. So here we go. Here's my mom and dad, Adam and Sheila Tarabi. Mom and dad, welcome to So Money It's uh, kind of crazy that I haven't interviewed you yet. I feel like you're very much already a part of the show because you created me. (laughs) So every day, every day you are represented on this podcast in some way, shape or form. Welcome to So Money.
1: Thank you, Farnoosh. Thank you for having us. Uh, We're so proud of you. Just
0: thank you. And, And selfishly, this is why I wanted you on the podcast so that you would just say nice things about me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Where should we start? I think by now, if you've been listening to the show all the time, listeners, you probably know that I'm Iranian, that uh, I grew up on the East Coast. There's two kids in the family. It's me and Todd. Todd's come on the show several times. But we don't really know, like, who are my parents? I I was mentioning in the introduction that your names legally now are Adam and Sheila. I have a brother, Todd, and then I'm Farnoosh or Farnoosh, as most people call me. So do you ever get that question, like, how come you guys changed your names? What was that decision all about? Why didn't I change my name?
2: I think the reason why uh, I changed my name was I had this experience that every time I make a call and they ask me, what is your first name? And I have to basically pronounce the name. Farouk. It takes <laughs> take so much time.
0: Uh, and then spell it and then, yeah. It's like me at Starbucks trying to tell them what my name is and I get Farah or you know, Fanush No R. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bit of a chore. I get that. Did you did you feel like you did it also because you wanted to assimilate
2: Yeah, I wanna make it easier for people to call me and you know, and then you know, and also We
1: wanted to blend in yeah, yeah.
2: actually and it, that, that happened actually when we both became uh, American citizens.
0: Mm-hmm. What year was that?
2: Yeah, 1992.
0: Okay. So I was 12 years old, right? Todd was born in 91 and you decided to give him an American name. I think that really represents, because by then, how long you've been living in the country, like 12, 13 years I think that was really symbolic of where you, that journey had brought you, you know, that you have now a, a new child and you want to give him an American name. Do you really love America that much? <laughs> you wanted to give him an American name?
2: Yeah. And also, you know, your your mom in particular, she, she really loved the name Todd. Right? Yeah. yeah. Why,
0: mom, why did you like the name Todd? Well, one of
1: my friends actually, um, her, her son named Todd and I really liked him, liked yeah.
0: him a lot. You admired him. Yeah. I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, so he grew up to be a doctor. Everybody, so just so you know, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> what my mom admires. Well, it's a very—I mean, he—he he looks like a Todd. I don't know. Sometimes you become your name, right? It's funny that Todd was a perfect name for him.
1: Yes, it is, and Parinush is also a perfect name for you.
0: Oh well, do you remember? I had a bit of an identity crisis growing up. I had a lot of different names that I was recycling, like that's true. Ashley, that's true. Tina, Christina. Christina. Were there were there others?
1: <laughs> That's it. That I was think. it. Yeah,
0: but you That's- guys were so cool. I remember one time we moved to a new neighborhood, and you were introducing me to the neighbors. And I think, Mom, you came over to me, and you're like, "Okay, what am I introducing you today as? What's your name today?" <laughs> I think I was I was like ten or eleven. I was like, "Um, let's go with Christina." It, yeah, I remember I thought- that distinctly. And then I ended up staying sticking with Farnoosh. Farnoosh, go figure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about. Your immigration. You know, you came to America in nineteen seventy nine, seventy eight. When was
2: it? I I I came in nineteen seventy six. Okay. Your mom uh, came in nineteen seventy eight. I
1: joined him in nineteen seventy eight.
0: And then you had me in nineteen eighty. You had full intention to go back to Iran, but you didn't. Were you Were you saddened by that? Were you Were you kind of heartbroken that because the war broke out in Iran and. Things weren't well, good right there.
2: Back in that time in 1979, because of the revolution, they asked all Iranians to go to the immigration office and they did not extend anyone's visa
1: mm.
2: uh, in 1979. So I was at that time a graduate student and I graduated in 1980. So I could not stay in the United States unless I had a full time job. And so I decided to go home. Mm-hmm. And and then, uh, obviously, when we went home, you know, the war between Iran and Iraq started. And um, and then I figured that that's not the place, you know, yeah. um, I can find a job and have, have a future. So we all decided to go back. Uh, so we returned in 1981. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your mom and you and myself were all in Iran almost more than 10 months. Yeah. And uh, so basically our... Yeah, second visit was really back in 1981. Um, Lucky for us.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, so you you were living in Worcester, Massachusetts, where I was born. And did you see actually Worcester? There was a big article on Worcester in the New York Times Magazine recently. Because Worcester used to be known as the city of opportunity. A lot of immigrants would come there, working class, educated, this place where you could really accomplish the American dream. There was a really strong middle class there. Now, 35 years later, you're either really poor or you're really wealthy in Worcester. There's really a shrinking middle class, kind of like it's its kind of a snapshot of kind of what's happening all across the country. And I thought it was really interesting that they chose Worcester because you don't, no one really talks about Worcester. And it was like shocking to see them in this major piece of journalism. But did you like Worcester as Iranians in now in America during a very tumultuous political time? Did you feel welcomed?
2: At the beginning, you know, I personally had a lot of difficulty, you know, adjusting to uh, the environment and the culture there. But as I get, you know, closer and go to school and get to know people and have friends that I started to actually like Worcester, you know, in fact, during, uh, the, Iran, uh, you know, the American hostage situation back in 79, you know, all the professors in our department, the physics department, they were really kind to me. They were even asking me, do you want to stay with us? You know, if you really feel that, you know, you're getting to with them. Yes. So I sort of really liked and enjoyed my, my time while I was there. So it was not really, I, I was really welcome, you know. Right.
0: Mom, yeah. you didn't speak English for the first couple of years. You, were, you and I were learning English together watching Sesame Street.
1: You remember that, right?
0: Yes, I do. Well, yeah, I mean, you tape recorded a lot of my voice. And I think, Dad, you had like one of the first video cameras in history. Worcester was a tough city, right? There was a lot of crime. And you were like really afraid of being in America, weren't you? This was a pretty scary place. You didn't speak English. Remember Stranger (laughs) Danger? That was like all that we talked about. (laughs)
1: No, because I was overprotective of you. That's why, you know, I, um, I didn't, well, I was 19 years old when you were born. Remember that. Right. And right. I was growing up myself. The thing is, because there, I had no family, no relatives around us, and it was only me and your dad, mostly your uh, responsibility was on me. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. the only thing I could do is just to make you afraid of things that I don't <laughs> want you to be, could get close to. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I knew. That's how I can protect you. Well it worked. And it
0: worked. It yes. Worked. It, it worked. still it works. Worked. The fear of <laughs> the fear of my mother in me. On this show we talk a lot about what money represents. And a lot of that depends on your culture, your experiences. What would you say is the way that we value money? We talked about money pretty openly growing up in the household, which is not something that happens. I don't think, as much in like a traditional American household.
2: It seems to me that in, in our culture, um, the, the the money, the role of the money is just primarily to pay for necessities. Necess- necessities. And anything you get extra, you need to save. Mm-hmm. And I think most, uh, as a result, most parents, most kids, you know, they are brought up in that culture, they, they seem to be a little bit tied with the money. You know, mm-hmm. they always feel that the money is you have to have money for a day that, you know, you need it, emergency. So, unlike, you know, I see in the Western society, it's not like that. People, uh, they go into they debt, have,
0: they overspend, they spend,
2: yeah. And just spend, overspend, you know. So, they, so in our culture, we always go uh, basically spend below our means. Because there's
0: like a sense of scarcity. Like, you, yeah. we've yeah. experienced wars. <laughs> yeah. We know what it's like to not have a job. But, I watch Shaws of Sunset. Do you watch Shaws of Sunset? Yeah. What is happening in Los Angeles and the Iranians?
1: That's not our culture. That's not represent our culture. That's totally different. It's not at, at all. I mean, I don't even watch it. I watch it once and I hate it. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it's not us at all. I never experienced well, that. I, I mean,
0: no that. reality show is a true representation of any, you know, it's an exaggeration. For- yeah. I mean, it's, a, there's a reason it's on television. It's very entertaining. It's just, unfortunately... Yeah. It's, right. yeah, I think it, it's a bad representation. It's not it's it's fun. It's funny. But yeah, I don't like it when people who aren't familiar with other Iranians believe that that is how we live our right. lives. Like You know, I was born in a
1: very wealthy family. My parents were very wealthy, but I wasn't spoiled at all. Never. They, they never spoiled me. My dad gave me anything that I needed. Um, like, for example, we, we had, they bought me new clothes two twice or three times a year. And, uh, you know, that, that was it. It was for our new year. It was for when beginning of the school. And maybe occasionally we, we were going to a wedding or, um, you know, party or something like big, big party. Then they would buy us a new clothes. And that was mm-hmm. it. That was it. You know, it wasn't nothing more than what we really needed. Even though they were very wealthy, we go on a vacation once a year and that was it, you know. So everything was on a budget.
0: While we talked about money a lot and we were very open about money, which was great at the same time. We also, I witnessed a lot of arguments around money. Can you take me back to those childhood memories? What were the arguments mostly about, and how did you ultimately resolve those differences?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, at the beginning we had, of course, the differences, different, uh, you know, ideas about money, and we always, because for me, you know, I feel that um, I have to work and bring the money, and of course, you know, and then you mom. It's hard being
0: a breadwinner, right? Yeah. yeah, he was the only friend. Yeah,
2: but so, I think the, what really helped us the most was the fact that your mom went to school and then she started working mm-hmm. and then she started realizing uh, how more value for the money and then I appreciate, you know, what really makes it to make money. And I think that really helped us a lot to, uh, to have a mutual understanding, you know, of, of what the money is for.
0: The two of you really believed in education. You guys really insisted that Todd and I not only go to college but go to grad school. But I also feel like your generation didn't have the student loans that the current generation has. So back like 35 years ago when you got your scholarship to get your PhD, Dad, that made sense because it was at no cost to you. You you had a jump start. Get in your life, but now I don't know if education is the ticket. If it means going into all this debt, do you think that you've changed your perspective, or do you have like a different take on the value of education these
2: days? I think in our family, um, I can say that, in particular, my, my father, he was so much, uh, you know, in favor of or in support of the education. Uh, I, I think he, he was probably one of the reason why. I was succeeding in my you know, education and you know, where I am today. My goal was that since I was uh, brought up in that culture, I wanted to become a professor <laughs> back in uh, my own country. And so if you have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, you never really were able to accomplish that. You have to really get your PhD. During 1980, in our country, uh, we did not have any graduate school for PhD program in, in science. So the, the path for me was to come to the United States. And I think, I think from that point of view, I think I did, I did the right thing. The emphasis on education is, again, it's is not just uh, my parents. I think in, in, in Iran culture, pretty much most parents... Uh, they value education and they...
0: Was it the same for men as it was for women, the emphasis on education? Did your sisters get a similar lecture about school? It wasn't the same, obviously, you know. You're right, yeah.
2: because they expected, you know, the, the girls or, you know, they get married. they get
0: married, yeah. I mean, uh, young, too. You got married at 18. Right, yeah. exactly. So and what was your choice? Get married? Well, or... when I got my
1: um, high school diploma, that was the beginning of the revolution. I didn't have a choice to go to school because all the universities, colleges were closed. Wow. My only choice was to get married or to just, my parents would wanted to send me to United States and stay with my sister. She was already in United States. So when I get my high school diploma, when your dad, um, ask for marriage and he, he, he was already in United States Then you know, they feel more comfortable for me to get married and then come to United States. So it's just give them some kind of security.
0: Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. What was your first impression of the United States, both of you? Was it everything you thought? And how did Iran portray it?
2: Your, your mom and I both came to the United States before the revolution, and that was during the uh, Shah's, uh, you know, regime. And at that time, uh, America was, you know, was one of the best place to be. You know, I think the way they told us about, you know, America, the technology, the, you know, the, the future and everything, everybody loved to, to basically go to America.
0: I, I remember you would say to me, I was too young to understand, but you'd say like, you know, Farnush, life would be a lot different right now if we were in Iran. Like when I was being spoiled or something, you'd oh. say, you know, <laughs> you could have it a lot different. And you, I had no idea what that meant, but now I know. Definitely. I think... There um, was a few. lot
1: of our friends, actually, the time that we were coming to the United States, there was a lot of our friends are also... Uh, coming to United States to pursue their education. So it was something very uh, common mm-hmm. for uh, the young people to come to the United States. You know, either you, you go to college or university in our country or you have to go and, and, and continue your education in United States. There is no yeah. other country we were right. considered at all. It's just United States. That's
0: it. I'm curious when you got here and I was very young and did you... Ever talk about like your goals, because at that point, as the saying goes, the world was your oyster. You're in America, land of opportunity, American dream, dad's getting his PhD. It seemed like the opportunities were endless, but did you actually have a vision, a clear idea about what you wanted to accomplish?
2: As I said, my dream was to uh, become a university professor and, you know, establish a uh, uh, a job and, you know, grow my family. And I think I, I actually, after graduation, I actually tried to pursue that. But what happened was it, it was during 1982, 84, the job situation was really tough in America in, in terms of university. And in general, the unemployment was really high. So then I ended up going to a postdoc, you know, trying to continue my education just to delay this, uh, this dream. <laughs> uh, but I ended up, you know, um, working actually for the industry, you know, which was very different. Now I'm sort of a close to retirement. I really want to go back. So
0: I remember I, you would teach at night. You had a side hustle before, yeah, the, before yeah. there were side hustles. <laughs> exactly.
2: So while I was even working for the industry, I was teaching for 12 years, part time, you know, at night school, four hours, five hours at night. Because I really enjoy uh, seeing students, you know, and educating things that they don't understand, especially math and physics, which are typically tough, tough, tough oh, subjects. Yeah.
0: I was terrible at physics. I did not <laughs> yeah. get the genes. How yeah. unfair is that, that yeah. I could not master yeah. most sciences, I would say. Physics was definitely my worst subject. I got a, I got a D one quarter. Did you even know that? Yeah. yeah, I remember
2: that. I think you were definitely good in math and in general, but I think your passion was something else. I think.
0: <laughs> Some people ask me, I actually was asked this question the other day, why do you work so hard? You know, why do you feel this urge to always be working and tr- doing new projects? I always have so much going on mm-hmm. and I don't really have a good answer for that other than maybe it's just something that I learned from my parents Mm-hmm. But what do you think as my parents?
2: I think, you know, working hard, uh, at least based on what I remember, it, it runs in our family. Uh, I always see my father work after hours, work over the weekends. Uh, you know, he was an a accountant, you know, the CPA and chief financial officer of a telephone com- company. He was really workaholic. You know, if you look at the history of Iran, the history of you know Middle East, you find that every twenty years, thirty years, it has been a revolution. You know, there has been a sort of uncertainty, and and and, and because of that feel of uh, insecurity, people try to work hard, mm-hmm. try to work to gain more. You know, to, to save money to, to for a day that things going to be a disaster and they can they can survive and and you know go through that process. Also, I think. You know, when I came to the United States, I actually felt that I have to work harder relative to, uh, you know, general population to show my strength, to show my, you know, um, performance, because otherwise, you know, I would be considered as, you know, someone coming from Iran, not really being from this same, same culture.
0: Yeah, as a so, minority, you, need, you I think that's true of any minority. You almost feel like you have to work a little bit harder.
2: No, I see that actually was part of the success story, because I worked, for uh you know American industry for thirty years. I never got laid off.
0: <laughs> except you did. And that's yeah. my next question. Uh, <laughs> which
2: is, is, it, I'm just saying it's a record, you know steady, working for uh, a straight thirty years. I
0: know. That's we should say that you got laid off recently which is, you know, on the one hand, <clears throat> I think it's awesome because <laughs> I've been laid off. Mom, you've been laid off. I feel like everybody gets laid off at some point in their career. For me, it happened early on in my career. Mom, it was like midway through your career. Dad, you, you went 30 plus years and they didn't get to, they didn't, they didn't ask you to leave, which is very impressive, especially in your industry, engineering, software during the 80s and 90s, so much consolidation, so much merger that people were getting laid off left and right. I remember one of the distinct conversations. I don't know what it meant at the time, but I remember when I was growing up, there was this term that kept going around the house, which was the package. Mm, Yeah, and I was like, "What's the package?" I was like, "Get the package, because maybe there's some toys in the package. Maybe (laughs) like I wanted the package. I was expecting like balloons and like toys because that's what package meant to me, like a birthday package or a gift. So I was very, I wanted the package, but of course now I know what that package meant. It was it was um take the package or. Risk getting losing your job without a package sixty two years old recently unemployed for the first time you've never like really had to look for a job in a long long time. what are you doing now what what's what's next
2: as, as any change in life you know at the beginning you'll get shocked, you go through this cycle of emotion and acceptance and recovery so I think uh, for me, I, I try to stay stay positive, and I think this is this, this is giving me a, a new opportunity to uh, define. I'm in the process of thinking what I want to do, and uh, and hopefully, you know, I, I'm sure I I might be end up in university job or or perhaps even back in the industry somewhere closer to my house. But I'm feeling good, you know. I, I mom this- told
0: me that you're taking a data. Science class? I'm taking a big, big uh, data, big big data, data class. class. Yeah. Brilliant.
2: So, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, there are some missing in my still career and and credentials. I need to fill up those gaps. And I'm looking forward. Maybe I, I can work for extra more years.
0: And I'm so glad you got laid off. Can I just say that? I wanted to send you uh, balloons because, yeah. one, it was like a terrible commute. It was two, three hours uh, of your day, every day, driving. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. You you work you had a terrible boss. Yeah. And, he was happy. She kept, she, yeah.
1: and not not everything is about money. Um at, at this stage right. of our life. Right. Um, you know, we have to work on ourselves, our health, you know. Just let go of whatever that is not important to us anymore, and have a simple life. These are the things that right now is important to us. You know, I'm I'm very confident that your dad definitely is gonna uh, find a job, and it, maybe he he cannot he, he won't make the same money as he did before, but that's okay. You know, as long as he, it makes him
0: busy and makes him happy. <laughs> Don't be following her around, Dad, because she's got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> She's got places to go, lunches to be had. Don't be sharing all the day with her. She wants you busy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so you're so funny, Faranush. I love you. Oh my god, it's what I'm here for. Oh, you got it from your dad. You I know? got it from you my know? dad. If you think I'm funny, which I'm not. My my brother Todd oh, is like the oh, funniest oh, person. Oh, I think. Oh, Todd. I mean. Yeah. And he doesn't. Is. He doesn't like go around making jokes. But if you really spend i time so, with him like his nice. impressions he does he he actually left me a voicemail i'm gonna have to make him do it again because i deleted i lost my phone and i lost it but he left me a voicemail pretending to be barack obama <laughs> well i mean i really didn't think it was barack obama the president but i was like this could be a really great trick that he could play on somebody else <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Todd's great. And I'm going to bring him back on the show because people are, people are missing Todd. They're like, bring him back. I want him back. Okay. This is not a financial question, but because you've been married, how many years now? 38 years? 38 years. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. best piece of marital advice?
1: To me, it's a sense of humor. One of us should have a sense of
0: humor. Who has the sense of humor? Is It's dad, right? Of well, you that. Well, you know what's good about you, mom, is that you're really easy to make laugh. I know.
1: And so yes. for people
0: who are like not that funny, but love to meet, love to <laughs> be goofy, <laughs> we like to be around people like you because you're always up for a good laugh. Which... I always laugh.
1: Even if they make fun of me, I always yeah, laugh. Yeah, you're a good sport. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. Let's really quickly. This has been so much fun. I've learned a lot about you guys again. I've relearned a lot of things and I've learned a few new things. And I think it would be fun to finish the interview with how I end all my shows, which is I start a sentence and you finish it. The first thing that comes to mind and either one of you can jump in and offer a offer a way to finish the sentence. Okay, so here we go. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say one hundred million dollars. The first thing I would do is.
2: Well, I would give part of the money to uh, charity. I would give it all to you. You decide
0: it for me. <laughs> I would give you a salary, Mom. When I spend, the one thing that makes my life easier or better is?
2: I think I, I enjoy the, uh, the massage, in particular the food massage. And foot the massage. Foot massage. All right. Recently, recently it's of <laughs> my
0: driving. Who gives you a foot massage? Oh, in the mall. Yeah, in the mall. Oh, you can get that at the mall? Yeah. massage! Wow,
2: and everywhere.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's everywhere.
0: <laughs> um, it me a, it one a, foot a, massage, a, please. please. All right, to each their own. Mom, one thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is going to my club. Your gym, my gym.
1: Yeah, good. It's not only a gym, you know that. You yeah, it's
0: like it's a vacation every <laughs> day you go there. <laughs> How about this? The one thing that I wish I had learned about money growing up is?
2: I think for me, uh, this uh, magic about this exponential growth.
0: Compound interest? You can teach a child a lot of things about money, but sometimes the like abstract stuff like compound interest, it's really hard to teach that so that they really understand it and appreciate it. You know what you did that really worked well for me? You took me to the bank when I was younger. I still have my Roth IRA that you opened up for me.
2: Yeah, I know. I know.
0: All right, exactly. well, this has been a lot of fun. We went but, places I didn't think we were going to go. Actually, you made
1: us so comfortable. At the beginning, I was kind of afraid. I, I asked your dad to do it alone. I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't make me do it. I, I don't make you do it. But then um, mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, you the start man, talking, and it. I feel
1: so comfortable talking to you as if you are here and we are just having uh, a real conversation, a you know, home conversation. Um, so uh, you made us very, very comfortable comfortable and it was so
0: easy. And thank you for You're that. You're welcome. Well, make sure that tonight you watch CNBC Definitely, at yeah. 1030 Eastern it's- and Pacific. I know that's late, but you can DVR it. It's the last episode of the season. All right. Last but not least, I'm so money because.
2: Well, I'm so money because I have such a great wife and kids and grandson, Evan. Mm-hmm. I cannot be more
0: and happy oh thank you mom mom really wanted you to answer that one because she wanted to hear herself get called out <laughs> she's staring at you while you're saying it
1: and i was looking at
0: him <laughs> mom why are you so money
1: having um your dad you Todd, evan and tim is blessing
0: I appreciate that. I love you guys. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank sure. you very Have you a
1: father. good night too.
0: That's a wrap. Thanks so much to my parents for joining me on my podcast. What did you think? They're so cute, right? I think we should all interview our parents. I think we'd learn so much, and it's an it's a, it would be a great keepsake to have to share with your children to listen to later with your family, and hopefully laugh and and have a good time with it. If there are guests that you'd like for me to interview and maybe you've got some connections, let me know. I'd love to consider all guests for So Money. Email me, Farnoosh at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And if you have a question for me, a financial question, click on Ask Farnoosh when you head over to SoMoneyPodcast.com and I'll grab that question and add it to the Friday list. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Remember, follow The Leader tonight, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Pacific. Don't miss out. I'll be live tweeting during the episode and, of course, on uh, either maybe Facebook Live or Periscope or both. I'm not sure yet. People tell me I should try all sorts of things. So I'm going to figure that out tonight on the go. Hope you'll tune in and hope your day is so money.